Today's sermon comes to us from the book of St. James, beginning reading in the third chapter in verse 13. I'll read through chapter 4 and verse 7. Keep in mind that St. James, the half-brother of Jesus, leader of the Jerusalem Church, wrote this letter uh, about 20-some-odd years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, uh, before his own martyrdom in Jerusalem. Uh, he died before uh, St. Peter and Paul died uh, at the hands of of Nero, uh, turns out that he was such a godly man that the Jews and Jewish leadership in Jerusalem couldn't handle his testimony, and they martyred him. But keep in mind that he's writing this about 20-some-odd years after the ascension of Jesus in the beginning of the church on the day of Pentecost. And he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Know yourself. With those two words, the Greek philosopher Socrates spoke a mouthful. Know yourself. That the older we get, the more we know about ourselves, the more we know about our inner desires, about our inner hopes, about our dreams, and so forth, the more we start self examining our own relations with other people. A lot of it really does come down to knowing ourselves, and once we know ourselves, uh, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this comic strip several years ago that said, we, uh, we have met the enemy, and it is us. Well, a lot of times in our relationships with other people, even our relationships with God, it seems that we have met the enemy and we're it. Uh, time and again in Scripture, it seems that God tries to give us the, the give us what it takes to live rightly before Him. Keep in mind the Hebrew word for wisdom re, uh, relates to skillful living, to living in covenant relationship with God. And time and again in our lives, we try to pull it off. We know that how we're supposed to live, and somehow or other, we just don't always get it right. Sometimes we do a little better than others. Uh, but occasionally, inevitably, I would say, everybody blows it at some point in time. 
And just in case you, you, you hear these words and you think, oh my gracious, James is describing a lot of people in my life. How bad could it be? Well, maybe he's describing me for one thing. And for another thing, keep in mind, as I pointed out, he's writing this less than 25 years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. I was uh, laughing with Angie on the way down here about, uh, about, about some of this, and I told her, okay, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that it was a week before somebody in the church in Jerusalem started backbiting and talking bad about somebody else in the congregation. Okay? I'm willing to give them about a week of afterglow. We're born again, the Holy Spirit's coming in our lives, and everything's going great. But something tells me that probably about day seven or eight, Life got back to normal for a lot of us. And it's been that way ever since. It seems that we're constantly warring with the nature within us, and even though we're new creations, the oldest passed away, the newest come, and the whole all things are new and all this stuff, somehow we find that the old in us keeps breaking out at the worst possible times. And St. James wrote about this here, and he points out that a lot of what we experience can be combated if we live wisely before God. So the wise will seek God's wisdom because James has already, already made a huge promise. And I love this promise. He said that any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do you realize that really the first wise thing that can occur to your head, you know what? I need wisdom. I'm not as wise as I need to be to live life as God has called me to live. And the one first things about wisdom, when before you're born again, you have to realize I can't do this on my own, and I need somebody to help me. And the only one that can help me is Jesus. Those who confess Jesus as Lord, believe in God, raised Him from the dead, will be saved. We'll experience that justice, we justify that peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And once we have that peace with God, then we can go to Him and ask for wisdom, and we will receive the wisdom that He wants us to have, that He wants us to demonstrate to everybody else. Because as James says here, who is wise and understanding among you? By His good conduct, let Him show His works in the meekness of wisdom. Have you ever noticed how the wise person is usually the quietest one in the bunch? Have you ever noticed how the wise person usually waits till everybody else has had their say and then says something worth listening to? And have you ever noticed how usually the first person to speak is the one who has the least to contribute to the conversation? Please tell me that I'm the only one here who's ever had that experience. Probably not. Uh, I came across this quote back several years ago, and it's so good I had to stick it on my quotes page. Um, this guy said, if one really is a superior person, the fact will likely leak out without much assistance. And essentially what James says here points to these people who, who are so insecure uh, you know, in, their, in, in themselves that they think they've got to put themselves first. I've got to hold myself up and nobody's going to think anything about me. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. I once again said it, and I, I used this a few weeks ago. Kind of like the boaster in Dilbert. If you ever read the, the comic strip, if you don't, don't worry. You have somebody like this in your life. Yeah, you know, um, 
I managed to climb this out. Hey, I climbed Mount, climbed Mount Chihaw one time. I had a real good time climbing Mount Chihaw. Oh, yeah, well, I climbed Mount Everest. Did it without oxygen tanks. Folks, <laughs> you get about 27,000 feet and it gets a little heady without oxygen tanks. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed that flight. I, the flight I took in and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, well, I flew on Mercury Space Capsule. I mean, they're always one up in you. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, you can only go so far until you lie. Okay? Sooner or later, at best, they're stretching the truth, and at worst, they're just outright lying to you. And it's, it's the worst thing. I know I'm not the only one who's noticed this. Everybody around knows this a lot. Everybody knows they're lying through their teeth. And yet, they're going to keep on at it and everything. Well, James says here, if you have this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly unspiritual, demonic. Wow, that's a mouthful. Well, essentially, James is pointing out something that we all kind of know innately, but really try to hide. When you start trying to one-up somebody like that, really that's pride talking more than anybody else. And pride says, I must exalt myself above God, and I must exalt myself above everybody around me so everybody will look at me because I'm more important than everybody else. And if you think that doesn't come straight from the demons of hell, go back and read Genesis 3. And essentially what you get here, the people of God should have more wisdom than, constant, than to try to engage constantly in one-upmanship. The people of God should have the confidence in that peace with God that we don't have to worry about our sin with anybody else. We know our, our identity before God. He's called us his children. Folks, can't get any better than that. To be called a child of God. So, if this is not the wisdom that comes from above, where does the wisdom that comes from above, well, how do you see it? The wisdom from above, he says, is first pure. You don't have to worry about the motives of the lies in God's eyes because you know their motives. Their motives are always pure. They have this purity when they speak. You don't sense this anxiety, this tension, this aggression or anything. You know that person stands in right relationship before God, and you know that when you hear them speak, that they're guiding you in some way to seek God yourself. It's peaceable. Uh, that old song, Like a Bridge Over Troubled Waters. When you get into situations, the believer in Christ Securing his salvation, securing his relationship with God, should always be the most peaceable person in any situation. And that should carry that should carry out not just in our relationships with one another within the church, but also our relationships in our families, our relationships on the job, at school, everywhere else. The person who's a born again believer in Jesus Christ should always have peace with God, and therefore bring peace to other people. Gentle. Now, general doesn't necessarily mean letting somebody run over you, but on the other hand, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you have a confidence in your, own, in your own self so that you don't have to react aggressively to everybody around you. Open to reason. I noticed something a long time ago about the wisest people in my life. It turns out that they realized that everybody else around them was also, was also created in the image of God, and therefore that person also had standing before. God in some way or other. 
And it turns out because the wise always know, I don't have it all myself, there's no way any, any one person knows it all, the wise can confidently seek the advice of others or let others speak because they know that God may be speaking some way through that other person. Now, sometimes somebody speaks and they've been better off keeping their mouth shut. But on the other hand, I have found that in some way you can at least get some idea of where the other person's coming from. It's not worth going there. You can still get some idea of, where, of how that person thinks so you know in some way how to work in their lives and let God use you to minister to them. Full of mercy and good fruits. There are a lot of people out there that need a whole lot of mercy. They've done some bad things. They know they've done some bad things. They don't need anybody to tell them they've done bad things. They need somebody to demonstrate mercy to them so that they can understand that God is merciful. How will they understand anything about, their, about, about our relationship with God and the mercy He has shown us if we don't show mercy to other people? But when He shows mercy to them, it gives us an avenue to explain to them, I'm merciful to you because God's been merciful to me. I stand before you today condemned before God for the foolishness I've done in my life that I should not have done. And yet God, in His mercy, didn't give me what I deserved. He showed me grace instead. and showed me mercy instead. And because He's shown me mercy, He's given me the privilege of then showing mercy to other people. Oh, it's also impartial. Godly wisdom is impartial. You get in a tussle with somebody else. You try to find a mediator. You try to find someone that can settle this thing. Well, Christian, anytime two people get in a tussle looking for a mediator, they should look to you. You should have enough godly wisdom to help them make the decision in an impartial manner. Now, here's the thing. We're all human, and we all bring our own prejudices to any situation that we face. But still, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us in some way or other, then He should be able to work through us to bring peace to a troubled situation because we can see things from His perspective and not necessarily from our own. Oh, by the way, this, the wisdom from above is also sincere. It doesn't mean that you can't be lighthearted every once in a while. Christians should be the most joyous people on the planet. But it does mean that when someone comes to you seeking wisdom, you don't treat them flippantly. I'll never forget one time I was reading something the other about about concrete. And you know, y'all been around me enough though, I enjoy a good laugh and good chuckle every once in a while. But I'll never forget the time that I read something where it says in some situations, humor is especially dangerous in this situation. And every so often, when I've had this really cute comment come to my head, when somebody comes to me with something, I've had to kick that three-second rule in, and usually about point two and a half seconds, I'll realize, you know what? You probably don't need to say that. They probably need you to stay serious for a moment. What am I thinking for the three-second rule? Once again, three seconds usually works for me. Most people can do it a whole lot faster. I need three seconds. Occasionally, meet somebody that probably needs to wait about 10 to 15. You may say, well, the moment of passing, pass me by. Well, thankfully. <laughs> so every once in a while, uh, it comes down to this. True wisdom from above 
comes to us through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and it comes to us through our study of Scripture, because, look, you can't give wisdom if you don't have it. And the best wisdom you can find, you'll find in Scripture. And here James goes off again. He's talking about how a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. But every once in a while, that human nature peeks back at us again. What causes quarrels and fights among you, your passions are at war within you. You desire. Covenant and cannot didn't know you desire and do not have, so you murder. Well, maybe we don't literally kill somebody, but I point out to you that you can't you can't obey the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself if you're coveting everything they have. You can't you can't obey the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself if you're constantly trying to one up somebody else. And it's the whole thing before. So well we go out and spend money we don't have, the stuff we don't need to impress people we don't like. Why? Instead, we let godly wisdom guide us, and godly wisdom takes us past all of this stuff, takes us past the passions and everything. And then we go out and start praying stuff that we don't need. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Here's what it comes down to. So many of us today still fight the fight. And by the way, I'm talking in the word us, okay? Possessive here. Uh, no, me too. We still fight the fight seeing all this stuff in the world and thinking, you know what? I really like that. And then God starts ripping us and saying, you don't need it. Well, maybe I don't need it, but it sure would be cool to have it. But you don't need it. And then I have to realize, well, if God's, if God's trying to tell me I don't need something, it's because he probably has something better in mind than I do need. Or he has a better use for what I would have spent on what I don't need than what I would have, than what I would have done. Instead, he, he wants to guide me in another direction. And here's one of the great things I've learned about God. You know what? He never takes anything away without giving us something so much better. You see, I'm a short-term kind of guy. I can only see so far down the road. God sees eternally. God knows what we need, not just now, but billion years ago. And if we'll allow him to direct us, he will give us not just what we need now, but he'll also provide what we will need infinitely into the future. And of course, one of the great things comes down to this, he gives more grace. He gives more grace. I thank God that he does not give me what I deserve, but he gives me so much more in the avenues and blessings, and he gives me so much less and I love the fact that really God gives us a couple of things. James ends this passage with a command and a promise. First off, the command submit yourselves therefore to God. When we submit ourselves to God, we find that the first thing we want, we want the wisdom to live right. We want godly wisdom. We submit ourselves to God, confessing Jesus as Lord, believing God raised from the dead. Being in that relationship with God, the Holy Spirit starts working within us and moving within us to bring us peace. When we have peace with God, we will have peace with other people because we don't have that war going on within us. That command, submit yourselves therefore to God. When we follow that command, something wonderful happens because James makes a promise here. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Talk a little bit in Sunday school this morning about the power of temptation. 
I love what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. The wicked man really doesn't know anything about the power of temptation because he never fights it. The moment a temptation hits, gone. It's going to follow. It's the righteous who knows something about the power of temptation. And of course, as the one who, who never succumbed to temptation, Jesus knows temptation's true power. And he promises that if we resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. He reminds us a lot of what St. Paul says over in 1 Corinthians 10, where he says, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. So, the next time the temptation hits you to try to one-up somebody else, avoid the temptation, <coughs> fight the temptation and let God direct you into a wise decision. The next time the temptation occurs for you to go out and try to do something to raise yourself above everybody else, fight the temptation. Let God direct you into humbling yourself down, and because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The next time someone in your life brings conflict to a situation, let the peace of God that you have shine through your actions and your reactions so that God can work not just in you and strengthen you, but also work in them, convicting them of their aggression, convicting them of their pride, and convicting them so that they too will seek a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It does come down to this. Because we stand at peace with God through our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. We should bring peace to every troubled situation. Now, times I'll meet a bridge over troubled waters, as this couple sang back a long time ago. Just occasionally I have found one of the disadvantages to seeking peace is that God puts you in places where peace needs to exist. God doesn't need peacemakers in peaceful places. But I promise you this, when he takes you to a situation that needs peace, he goes with you. Through his omniscience, through his omnipresence, he's already there. And when you go into any situation, go into that situation in the peace of knowing that God has taken you there, and when you go into a situation, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Resist the temptation to just dive in. But instead, let the Holy Spirit direct you and direct your path. Because once again, as Chip read forth earlier, the one who walks in the ways of the Lord will find peace. He will find wisdom. And he will find joy through Christ. And then Father, Son, and 